Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are currently in week 7 of our Apostles' Creed series. This week, Pastor Kenny unpacked Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, about the fresh and new hope that we find in the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul actually makes note that at one point, during the 40 days when Jesus was walking the earth before he ascended, at one point, over 500 people saw him publicly and alive after his death. Think about that. He's writing in the first century when many of these people would have still been alive, and he's claiming that there are 500 witnesses. If this was a court case, and you were standing on trial, and 500 people walked into the court haste, court, courtroom to testify against you, would you be feeling a little nervous? 500 We see in John's gospel that the first, John records that the first people to see the tomb empty were women. And Mary Magdalene was the first one to see see him alive. This is significant because in that time, in the first century, a woman's uh, testimony wasn't even valid in court. So you have to ask, why would John, if he's trying to prove the resurrection is true, why would he add the fact that these women that they didn't even count as credible were, were there? The only reason would be that he's not trying to convince anybody. He's just telling you the truth. He's telling you what actually happened. And then, of course, you think about the disciples. These 12 disciples plus so many more, they held on to this truth. They claimed it as witnesses, eyewitnesses. And they, they suffered because of it and died. It's been said nobody would die for a lie. Yet these men were martyred and never changed their story. We have incredibly solid witnesses. And physical evidence, I mean, the tomb is empty. I mean, the glove doesn't fit. You gotta, if the tomb is empty, Jesus rose from the dead. Or, or they found the wrong tomb. But the Bible doesn't even leave that up to... Uh, up to our, our, our interpretation because we know it was Joseph of Arimathea's tomb that they put him in. A well-known, wealthy uh, a Pharisee's tomb with legal documents saying exactly where it is. There's no way that they could have hidden this truth. It was in the actual tomb that he was buried and it was empty. Not to mention physical evidence that people touched his body saw him eat, and it wasn't like one of those ghost cartoons where the food was just falling through the floor through a ghost-like apparition. He was alive in a physical body. The evidence is overwhelming. If 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 you're here and you want to explore this idea further, I want to point you to a resource. Uh, This is a book by Tim Keller called The Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism. It has a bunch of information in there, but there's a chapter on the resurrection that if you're on the fence, you need to read. This is a great resource. But this morning, I want to spend the rest of my time not proving that it's true, but assuming that it's true, and then looking beyond that, well, what does that mean for us who believe? Namely, what is the hope that we gain from the resurrection? So I want to ask you guys to turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I 
And the big idea that we're going to see is that Jesus' death and resurrection equals for us, equals for us a fresh and new hope. How many of you came in here this morning and maybe you need a little bit of a fresh and new hope? I know I do. We find that in the resurrection. And so we're going to look at Romans chapter 6 and we're going to look at verses 1 through 14. The way it's constructed, the way Paul writes it is like this. He writes, uh, he's answering a question that people are, 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 are really questioning Paul as he's going around teaching that we're saved by grace alone. And people are asking, Will, won't people take advantage of that? And so he, he answers that. And then he gets to the main idea of his passage, which is this, that Jesus Christ did die and he rose from the dead. And in his death, our sins are taken care of. And in his resurrection, we're offered new life. And then the lastly, he's going to close by sharing with us what then, how, how should we respond to that as believers? So we're going to kind of mix it up a little bit from the way Paul constructs it. And we're going to start with the main idea. So Romans uh, chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses uh, 5 through 10. And the title in your notes is this. New imputed righteousness. New imputed righteousness. And so Romans chapter 6, verse 5, he says it like this. He says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. I'm going to pause for a moment and just let that sink in. And even beyond that, I'm going to ask for three volunteers to help me demonstrate what this looks like. Can I have three people? You're not going to have to answer any questions. You're, you're, you're not even going to have to talk. I just need you to come up and demonstrate. I need two more. Yeah, there you go. I love it. All right, come on up here, Dominic. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm, going to, I'm going to share with you guys, uh, is it bad to label people and judge people? I'm not sure, but I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Um, first, I'm going to just say that you... Absolutely. You're a sinner. I don't know what you did, Adam, but I guess you should feel some shame. And you're guilty. You're guilty. Well, well, what we all know, we don't always like to talk about it. We don't like it when people point it out. But we all know that this is true of all of us. Amen? We're all fellow strugglers. strugglers. We all have sin and shame and guilt that we deal with. Uh, and, but what Paul's going to kind of give an idea, he says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, what's that mean? What that means is this, is I'm going to ask you guys in demonstration to go ahead and take this and you're going to, you're going to go ahead and nail it to the cross, but we're going to do it in a, in a, in a 2000, uh, years later, you're going to just use stickies. Okay. So I want you guys just to go over there one at a time. I want you to I want you, Dustin, to take your sin and go ahead and nail that to the cross. I like it. Good, good positioning. Adam's going to nail his shame. Center stage. I like it. I like it. Rocket, mock it. Center stage. No more shame. And up one up so I love it. 
It won't fall over, trust. So here we, we have this picture of these men who have nailed their sin, their shame, and their guilt. And what Paul is saying, for if we have been united with him in a death like his. What that means is that we unite our sin, we unite it in a death like his. It simply means this, we nail it to the cross. It's imputed or transferred to, to the cross. He absorbs it, he takes it, he dies in our place. So if we've been united with him in a death like his, it's as if we died with him and our sin and our shame and our guilt, they died with him too. That would be good news, right? Notice you guys are free. There's no more sin and no more shame and no more guilt. It's been nailed to the cross and that would be good news. But wait, there's more. What it actually happens is, we see that Paul goes on. He says, you, you're, we're united with his death on the cross, but then also, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So your sin and guilt are imputed on the cross, and his mercy is imputed to you. You can go sit down. You can keep that. You get forgiveness. You can go ahead, sit down. Good job. And Dustin, you get righteousness. Yes. So we see this beautiful picture displayed in just one verse that you're united with his death. In his death, we transfer our sin. He removes our sin and our shame and our guilt. But even more, in his resurrection, he offers us new life and hope and mercy and forgiveness and righteousness. This is great news. And then he goes on, he says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a a resurrection like his, the greatest transformation ever. And then we, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. And we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. In this passage, I would point out one noteworthy thing that he, 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 he gives us an if clause. There's an if. As a matter of fact, he, he says it twice. The if reminds us that it's not an automatic thing. You're not born into this world with salvation. There's no, there's no automatic uh, a gift that's given. It needs to be received. This is for people, it says if... You put your trust in, 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 in Jesus. It literally says, if you have been united, if you've been united with his death and resurrection, if that, what we just demonstrated, has happened in your life, then these things are true about you. And it ends with, if, if he dies and, he, and, and our sin is imputed to the cross, then what we get, and he's the first to rise and have new life, And then he offers us new life. So we have this new life that is found 
And that's the main idea, that Jesus' death and resurrection is such a big deal because it is the only way that we can find righteousness, forgiveness, and mercy and be right with God. And then we see that Paul uh, gives this, is, is answering this, this question that's kind of been brought up. And, and the question is this. If they're saying to Paul, if we teach that Jesus saves sinners by grace, then what motivation will anyone have to be a good person? It's a pretty logical question, right? Like if we're just handing out forgiveness free, then won't people not value it or won't people take advantage of it? That's the question that people are asking Paul because he's going around teaching that you can be, you can be saved by grace and grace alone. We see his answer to that in Romans 6, 1 through 4. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. No way, Jose. Right? That's how you translate it into Spanish. <laughs> how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. The fact is, Paul's going around and he's teaching salvation by grace alone because Paul knows something about motivation that these people seem to have missed. If you think about it, motivation is an interesting concept, isn't it? I mean, think about the value of motivation in every single one of our lives. As a matter of fact, if you lack motivation, well, it's hard to get anything done, isn't it? So the question is, what will motivate you? What will motivate you to do anything? What will motivate you to do the things you want to do? More importantly, what will motivate you to do the things you don't want to do? What motivates you? Well, it's Easter, and my kind of philosophy is the kids are out there having an Easter egg hunt. They're having a party. Why should the kids have all the fun, right? So let's have a little fun by having a little Easter competition. You guys into it? All right. Here's what I'm going to need. I'm going to need three or four contestants who are going to come up here and you're going to do a high jump contest. I need some high jumpers. Come on up here. Four, three, four. We got one. Two. All right. We got two, and I see that you guys need a little motivation. How about if we up the stakes and I offer to the winner a $500 gift card to Home Depot? Wait, wait, wait. I just want to tell you, I said, what if? What if RCC is on a budget? This is only $30. But still, you guys are already up here, so come on up. All right. So here's how this is going to work. You guys are each going to get a color. You're going to go over by that wall. You're going to take turns and be nice, even though I'm not going to give you chocolate like the kid said. You're going to go over there, and one at a time, what I want you to do is you're going to jump up as high as you can, and you're going to stick that on the wall, and then it has the stick. Whoever has the highest one is going to win 
$30 gift card. Oh, we're already starting to make excuses? Jump up there, stick it on the wall. We got a ladder, we'll take it off later. Do not hurt yourself. That's going to be hard to beat. You each get two tries. A close second, a close second. Oh, that's close. That's close. Oh! So close. dramatic I didn't really have any point to make I just thought that'd be fun I'm just kidding but the, the reality is is that with a little motivation boys will be boys right we do the silliest of things I noticed none of the mature ladies came up here with their Sunday attire but the idea of motivation is so powerful but here's the deal in this contest You guys came up here, and it was basically we're grading on a curve, right? The person who jumps the highest sets the standard, and they get to win the prize. Well, what if I said, "What we're going to do another contest, and what I'm going to offer as a reward is eternal glory. And all you have to do is come up here. We're going to have to actually step upside, unless, unless, unless you can go through the ceiling but all you got to do is jump up and put a sticky note on the moon. Nobody would come up unless you're eight years old, right? You're eight years old, you'd try. And I'm not, I'm not making fun of eight-year-olds if you're in here. Jesus actually said we should be more like you. But I'm saying most adults just give up at that point. And they say it's too hard. I don't want to try. Well, the reality is, I, I think that's a commentary on, on a lot of our humanity. If, if, if we're saying... That you need to be perfect in God's eyes. Well, we all know that we can't do that. And so maybe we just say, I'll just figure out something else. And the the idea with with Christianity is, is it's not whoever jumps the highest or whoever lives the best life or whoever is in the lead, whoever does it best, that gets salvation. It just doesn't work that way. The cross doesn't work that way. And so what Paul is, is highlighting is that the, the cross is so beautiful in that we're saying that Jesus Christ, who didn't jump up and put a sticky note on the moon, but he's the one who set the moon in its place. And he came down from heaven to earth and he lived the perfect life. And then he died on the cross. And, and he offered that all of our sins, because his life was perfect, he didn't need to die on the cross. He had no need. But we had need. And so he said, I'll die on the cross. You put your sin on me and I'll absorb it and I'll die for you. And then when he rose on the third day, he offers new life, a fresh and new hope. And I would suggest if, if that doesn't motivate you, that type of love, if that type of compassion doesn't motivate you, well, then I just don't know what is a more powerful motivator. 
Do you? Jesus died on the cross. Later in chapter 12, Paul is going to say, in view of this mercy, in view of this loving act, we would offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. We would, like Paul says in chapter 6, we would walk in newness of life. And the good news is, he explains it like that, and let me unpack how how, how, what a good news that is. You Just to walk, how do you walk? You just walk one step at a time. He's not asking you to jump to the moon. He's asking you to walk one step at a time, one day at a time in His grace. And He promises to be there with you as you walk. And He says, just keep walking, keep taking more steps, keep growing, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, on the fact that he died for your sins. Let him be the motivation. It says, keep walking. In the Old Testament, in Proverbs, it says something profound and a little bit weird. Something you wouldn't expect from a religious book. It says this. It says, a righteous man falls down many times. Is that how you would define a righteous man? How do you define a righteous man? Oh, that's somebody who messes up a lot. That's not, that's not how it ends, though. It says, a righteous man falls down many times, but he gets back up. Amen. And here's the hope. That as a righteous man, if Jesus is our righteousness, we keep taking one step at a time. And when we fall down, because we all will, we get back up. Maybe today, on this Resurrection Sunday, new life for you, a fresh and new hope for you, means this. It's time to get back up. It's time to not try to earn the highest jump, but to let Jesus do that and to start following him in response. So we have this beautiful picture that Paul is saying, and he's not saying that because our death, because we're united with him and our sin is dead to us, he's not saying we're not going to sin anymore. John Wesley said it like this. He said, after you become a Christian, sin still remains. But sin doesn't reign. It doesn't reign in our life. Max Lucado had this great children's book. And I forget the name of, of, of the guy, but it was basically about everybody in society had these dots. And the dots represented the same things that those do. Guilt and shame and sin, and you would be able to tell because people would be walking around and they would have lots of dots. They were walking around with their, their sin and their shame and their guilt. And then you had this one character in the story that when you visited him, the dots started to fall off. They couldn't stick. It wouldn't stick to you anymore. You put it on, it would just fall off. No more stickiness. Jesus has removed the stickiness of our sin and shame and guilt. It no longer reigns in our life, how much more of a, motiva- of a motivation would we need? And so we see new hope, and we see in your notes a new motivation to grow. And we'll have the worship team come back up as I unpack just one more new hope that we gain in the resurrection. And in your notes, it's this. It's a new self-image. A new self-image. And I know some of you guys are thinking, that's kind of a weird thing to say at church. So let me explain yourself when we look at this idea of a new self-image. And so Romans 6, 11 
through 14, Paul kind of closes this idea, this passage. He goes, so you, listen to this. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, right? It'll remain. You'll still struggle with it. We would say that that justification is easy. Jesus did that for us. It wasn't easy for him. Justification is easy, but sanctification, the process of becoming more and more like him, that's a struggle. We're going to struggle in this life. It's going to be a struggle to grow, but sin will no longer reign. Guilt will no longer reign. Shame will no longer reign in your life. The label can't stick. So he says, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Don't let it stick to make you obey its passions. When you, when you label yourself as sinner, what do you act like? Sinner. When you label yourself as shame, as shame, what do you do? You hide. When you have guilt, what do you do? You feel bad. And you wallow in it. And he said, don't let that reign. He says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Don't keep sinning. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, nail it to the cross. Don't try to deal with it yourself. Don't hold on to it. Don't keep doing it. Nail it to the cross. Get up. Keep walking forward. And he says, for sin will will, will, will have no domain over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. I want to just end with some processing with this idea of what Paul is saying. He says it like this. He goes, consider yourselves dead to sin, alive to God. Remember the demonstration that we had earlier where the sin is transferred and then what did they gain? They gained new labels, didn't they? And what Paul is saying, he's saying, consider that that is true. And here's the thing. That's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. It's not natural. It's not our natural tendency to consider that that's true. When we look at ourselves, we we feel the shame, we feel the guilt, we feel the sin, we know the truth about ourselves, we know we're messy, we know that we haven't done a good job, we know that uh, on January 1st we said, I'm going to follow Jesus, or the women's retreat, their men's retreat, or or at camp, right? I'm going to follow Jesus forever, right? I'm so in love with Jesus. And then a week later we fell. We know that. And he's asking you, consider that that is not a problem anymore. Consider that that has been dealt with. Consider you don't need to move forward spending your time trying to deal with that. That has been dealt with. Now you could spend your time doing better things. Walking forward, getting back up, and helping others to get up and to walk forward. So he says, consider That it's true. So here's what I want to do as we close the sermon and we enter into our response singing time. I want you guys, if you have your bulletins, go ahead and pull out the little card that's in there. On one side it has some writing. Don't look at that yet. Try to go just to the blank side. I want you guys, hold those up if you have them. (laughs) 
And as you're looking at that blank side, I want you to just, we're going to take a moment. We're not in a hurry. We're going to take a moment. I want you to either look at that or if you have a pen and you want to process or you want to doodle, whatever you want to do, you don't have to write it down physically, but I want you to think about it and perhaps consider writing it down. What, what in your heart, in your mind, in your life, what, what do you need to nail to the cross? What do you need to leave at Jesus' feet this morning? What do you need to nail to the cross? What is weighing you down? What, what do you feel guilty about? What, it, what, 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 is, what is it about shame that's impacting you and holding you back? What sin are you habitually struggling with and it makes you feel shame and want to hide and not come out and, and move forward? What is it? And I want to just give you a moment to think through that, to process that. You don't need to show it to anybody. It's between you and God. And now, think about what Paul said. He said, consider, consider yourself dead to everything that you wrote or thought. Consider that you nailed that to the cross. If you're going to put your trust in Jesus to cover your sin, then consider that that has been dealt with. And what I want you guys to do right now is go ahead and turn that over. I want you to look at that. When we talk about a new and a fresh hope, I want you to consider that if what Paul is saying is true... What he's saying is whatever you put on the other side, when you flipped it over, consider you nailed it to the cross and consider this is your new label. Because of the resurrection, Jesus died for our sins. And when he rose from the grave, he offers us new life. You are, you are, consider it true, believe it's true, you are new in Christ. Thank you for listening to Remembrance Community Church Podcast. You can find all our weekly sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.